0: Hello, and welcome to the Work Matters podcast, where we discuss what matters at work and how to make it better. I'm Robert Richardson, here with Dr. Steve Hunt. Steve, what matters at work today?
1: Acquisitions and mergers matter, Robert. I mean, a lot of people, when we go through, you know, your company suddenly gets acquired. You get this announcement in this email, we've been acquired, you know, or we've acquired some other company and it affects your life. And actually, acquisitions. I've been going on for years, but the pace of acquisitions has gone up arguably with some data I looked at by about 700% over the last 20 years. So, you know, they used to be relatively rare and now they're happening all the time. And, you know, suddenly your company's acquired. What are you supposed to do? That's a pretty big shift. Have you ever lived through an acquisition?
0: Yeah, I have. So I started my career at a company called Jobs to Web, which is a recruiting marketing organization back in 2006. Maybe I shouldn't be dating myself like this. But I did. I was the 12th employee and we were acquired in December of 2011 by Success Factors. We were acquired on the same day that the company acquiring us announced SAP intended to acquire Success Factors too. It was very interesting and there was a lot of uncertainty what were we going to do now that we were part of Success Factors and a much larger company that was acquiring Success Factors, SAP.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's opportunity, but also there's, you know, there's this cost cutting, there's all kinds of things that happen. And I've also lived through a few acquisitions, and the tales of those are probably best told in a bar over a beer, some of them ones, <laughs> because they were pretty crazy, some of them. But I'm excited because today we got Steve Goldberg, who is a person that's done a lot of work with acquisitions, and he has volunteered to share his advice and experience in this field. So Steve, welcome to Work Matters.
2: Thank you both. Thanks to Steve, who I've known many years. And Rob, I appreciate being here.
1: So Steve, maybe just to start out, you can tell us a little bit about your background as it relates to acquisitions and talk a little bit about why does this topic matter so much to you?
2: So the one sentence on my background before I get to the second part of that. So I've been operating on all sides, literally all sides of HR process and technology for almost 40 years now. That includes a global HR practitioner, US and Europe, head of strategy at PeopleSoft, analyst in three different analyst firms, advisor, et cetera, And the last stint as a practitioner was for the late Wayne Huizenga, founded Blockbuster Video, founded Waste Management Inc., and also uh, AutoNation, and owned a lot of sports teams and hotels. And the experience I had with working as the VP of HR M&A, you know, the managing the people aspects of mergers and acquisitions, during due diligence, but more importantly, during the integrating of the businesses from a people standpoint, which has a lot of complexity and, and dimension to it. That was my last experience as a practitioner. And for me, wow, it was serendipity to the max because I got exposed to so many elements of you know being attuned to the needs of workers and what communications are needed when and we'll talk about that in a few minutes and what tools can be used and how workers should really view these situations which i feel very strongly just like it kind of presented itself as an opportunity for me when i was on the side of my company being acquired which happened also many times during the 15 years i was in hr and also did consulting like for uh, Simon and Schuster when they acquired Macmillan publishing and i was kind of there the point person sitting in the factory at Macmillan Publishing, answering a lot of questions. So yeah, a lot of diverse experiences and many of them, particularly when I worked for Wayne, got very immersed into uh, what do employees think about? What do they feel? How do you kind of stem the tide of distraction and productivity dips and all of that? So what it means to me is it's a raft of opportunity for the employees themselves and for HR practitioners and anybody involved in human capital management, because this is an area that has not gotten anywhere close to the proper attention it deserves in my book.
0: Really appreciate that perspective, because I think you're absolutely right. It doesn't always get the attention and people don't always know what to do when they're required. But I almost want to take a quick step back as usual and just be really clear about what we're talking about. Many employees at some point in time in their career are going to be affected by what's referred to as a merger, an acquisition, or more broadly speaking, a change of ownership. And for the sake of this podcast, we'll refer to all of this as M&A or mergers and acquisitions. And basically, where a company buys, sells, or merges with another company. And there's lots of motivations for doing this. Often, MA activity benefits the consumer, the shareholder, and the employee, but not always. So, for example, uh, sometimes MA activity results in redundancies in the workforce. So mm-hmm. maybe you and someone else have the same job, for example. In cases like this, a company is going to need to do something about that. And they have to mm-hmm. determine how to reallocate that talent. And so you mm-hmm. may be asked to change jobs. You may be asked to take a reduction in hours, or you may be terminated. So let's maybe start with expectations, right? Every merger, every acquisition is different, but are there commonalities? What, what can employees expect
2: overall? hmm Yeah. Thanks. I would say there's a number of things to to expect. I'm going to kind of containerize it into into three buckets. Uncertainty, clearly. There's uncertainty that's pervasive. And hopefully, ideally, the management team, HR leaders are being very authentic in their communications and upfront and saying, here's what we know now. Here's what is going to take us 30 or 60 days to figure out the integration of the two companies, there's a lot to do in terms of harmonizing comp and benefits and restructuring. And and yes, more than likely, as with most m a situations, not all, but most, there is, as you say, redundancy. Redundancy is not synonymous, and please, I want to underscore this, with you lose your job or mm-hmm. anybody net-net loses their job, or I should say net-net the number of workers in that organization goes down. I should say it that way. Because that, what I'm referring to is, yes, overlap is definitely a core dynamic in many, many M&As, but it doesn't mean that one person retains a job and the other person doesn't. Sure. It, it's more often that one person stays in a job that they're in and the other person, you know, was looking internally or has advocates looking internally for them. And the key is, and my kind of suggestion to folks listening that may be gone through this now or at some point in the future, think about the three stages of there's an uncertainty period for sure. Then there's a formative period. They may be very close uh, in terms of timing the uncertainty period if you have really proactive communications going on and, and very sensitive kind of senior management that's big on communications that uncertainty there's going to be a trust factor and the uncertainty will go down as you're trusting because communications are there and they're authentic so you have the uncertainty period and then you have the formative period where the organization is starting to take shape be redefine refine etc and that creates the third bucket which is opportunity. And anytime you have an organization that's kind of figuring out what does homeostasis look like for them? Yes, we're gonna shift a little bit and pivot in this direction. We're gonna pivot in that direction. We're gonna pull back here. We're gonna reinvest more there. And that's why if we study the annals of M&As, we see that while there may even be reductions in force in the first six months, go a little bit further, And they're back at the same level of staffing Mm -hmm. because a lot of opportunities were created. So if you can deal with the uncertainty and just, I'm not going to say no to the grindstone because you need to be accessible and available and be looking around for opportunities that are either there or that you can create for yourself. Just how it's affected me personally, it's really helped my career when I didn't hunker down and, you know, obsess too much about my future when i thought about well what's the context of the new organization and can i even have a more interesting role if you can do that you have a much better chance of staying and being more satisfied
0: i know so well with my experience too when when we were acquired that uncertainty period you saw a certain number of employees leave simply because they didn't think of themselves as quote-unquote big company employees but they sort of led that uncertainty. And and maybe if some had hung out for a little longer through the formative and opportunity phase that you lay out, you know, they may have found themselves in a really great spot yeah. within SAP, like like many of us did, who sort of waited out this period of uncertainty. And, and you saw some mm-hmm. move on to great success. And you saw others who really, I think, it didn't benefit them, right? They, mm-hmm. they ended up moving from job to job to job. And, and there was
1: one waiting here. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of building on that, because I do think that when you look at it, probably in immediate, but it's a pause for a reflection as an employee, you kind of say, is what this company that I'm now part of offer what I want from a job? And I think in some cases, Robert, you know, there's some people that don't want to work for big companies yeah. and they're a small company. So yeah. kind of looking around. One thing, though, really, Steve, that you're saying and I in acquisitions I've seen and I've gone through sometimes what they often say is the companies don't want to miss their next quarterly number, right? So like okay, just keep acting like nothing's changed. Keep doing your job, which (laughs) sounds ridiculous if you think about it, you know. Yeah, you should keep doing your job. Because most people that are effective acquisitions, you know, it's done to them. They're not part of it. They're just, you know, a pawn on the chessboard if we're kind of being honest. And how would you recommend somebody react when they they get that email or they get called in and we've been acquired? And what would be, okay, over the next like, four weeks here are things i recommend that you do when your company's been acquired what's a good strategy when you learn your company's been acquired
2: one thing i would do is is what i did the first uh, my first go around as an employee uh, being affected by it and that was do some reading and one of the things i and and talking to people i went out and actually talked to legal architects of deals and in investment banking and so forth. And one of the things, and of course, HR leaders. So one of the main things I discovered was the distinct prevalent situation where only in a very small percentage of, of M&A scenarios do you have a reduction in force that goes into effect in the first 30 days. Almost always, 80 to 90% of the time, there's a defined transition period. I'm talking about for experienced deal makers or industry consolidators that are doing a lot of M and A's. They know that it can be so hugely disruptive and probably really undermine the ROI on the deal if they act too hastily in terms of just getting out the sword of Damocles, and because it, it erodes trust. Productivity goes way down. Uh, Reputation as an employer and a corporate brand takes a big hit. So there's usually a transition period. The transition period can be four to 12 weeks, just to pick a number. And that's the time when you want to keep your eyes open about, look for signals. What is... The new company going to look like? Are we going to be deinvesting in some areas, investing in some others? Do I have skills that would even be more relevant in this company now or in different parts of the company? So, if you're going to do what people used to do years ago whenever they heard about a reduction in force or an M and A, and that is get out the resume, start talking to people, and talk to headhunters, that vibe you'll be projecting that, and it's not, in my opinion, going. You're not going to be helping yourself because. You're going to miss out on that third bucket, which is the opportunity bucket. You're a known commodity where you are. Forget forgive me for using the word commodity. You're a known asset where you are, and take advantage of that uh, as opposed to uh, going in and, and trying to you know start up a new relationship where you got to prove yourself and become a known asset. Leverage what you have, what you've already achieved, and keep your eyes open for how the organization is is changing and where the opportunities will be. You you said
1: something right there. I think that's really important that I do known asset. And I go back that realizing that you're a known asset within your own organization, but you're an unknown asset to the other organization. Because the other thing you mentioned right at the beginning is you went out and talked to people in your field, right? So you're an HR person, you talk to HR people, but whatever field you're in, there's probably people that if they don't have the same role, they have a similar skill set of some sort. And having gone through acquisitions the, on the acquiring company, they're curious about you too, right? You know, so I think that point of like use it as a chance to network, but don't network outside the organization. Network in the organization. You now have a invitation to talk to all these people. Yes, and by talking to them and learning about them, you may discover opportunities that you didn't know there, and you become a known asset to a new company very quickly, which is
2: a yes, great way totally. To in that context, I'll I'll just raise a more more briefly <laughs> a dynamic which is also part of the opportunity bucket, as it were, and that is more often than not the combined organization will lose people that they didn't anticipate losing, and that also creates opportunity. So keep that in mind.
0: It's a really fascinating point, Steve, because it it does reflect my experience too. You know, many of us who were acquired became the deepest recruiting subject matter experts that mm-hmm. SAP and success factors wanted to rely upon. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so we were acquired for a reason. You know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. and that reason in part was you, the employees with the knowledge and information that you had, at least in this acquisition, they all vary, right? They're all different, sure. you know, companies are acquired for different reasons, but we we were part of the reason in this case. And those who you said sought the opportunity inside of a larger organization, a larger ecosystem really found it.
2: Yeah. Th- thanks. And there's another kind of mm, example of a manifestation of the opportunity. And that is, even in the worst case, you decide you're not going to get super distracted like uh, the people around you or like some of the people around you. And you're going to just continue to try to make a difference and and deliver value. And worst case, your job is eliminated and there is no other opportunity for you. And this is, of course, worst case. Just Keep in mind, you could also turn that into an opportunity. How? Because most large organizations or most organizations in general, at one point or the other, are going to be involved in this sort of avenue toward business transformation and, and revenue growth. And even if they're not going to be on one side or the other of MA, they're going to be involved in a business transformation and a major change exercise. And if you can, the next company you're interviewing with, say, you know, I decided to learn from that experience. And I made some observations. I validated those observations with some people I respect. And I think that makes me more valuable as a resource to this new organization.
1: I like that to to approach it as a whatever the experience you go through, do approach it as a learning experience. Now, as you mentioned, most acquisitions don't necessarily lead to reductions, of course, over time, if they're successful acquisitions, I guess the unsuccessful acquisitions, which there are a lot um, do lead to, you know, sort of down spiraling. And also there are certainly acquisitions where you're acquired by a company. And I'll give you an example, you're in a specialized function. So like, you know, marketing departments, they get rid of the marketing department of the smaller company, because it's like, we don't need it. Or there can be other places where there's clear redundancies. If you're an employee and you think, I don't see a path here. In my current role, should you wait around to get laid off? Should you, what's sort of the right reaction um, if you say, you know, I kind of like the company,
2: but I just don't see a future here for me. Yeah. Thanks. Well, as the three of us know, and many people listening to this know our industry, HCM, HXM, HR tech has had some really kind of uh, monumental shifts uh, in, in recent years. One of them being much more of a skills orientation than a job slash role orientation you know we're now thinking we now have uh, organizations that kind of align their compensation strategy more with skills than jobs and that's going to certainly going to increase we now have technology that allows us and certainly uh, certainly success factors has this uh, capability set as well and this is not a promo it's just a fact other tech vendors have this too skills graphs that tell us You know, if skills adjacencies or skills equivalencies, if you're good at X, you should be good at uh, Y, or you could probably get up to speed on Y to a sufficient enough proficiency level fairly quickly. And that's something to encourage people to think that it's not a bleak or really challenging situation if you're in one of those organizations that that's kind of transition to that new context or new operating model where, yeah, we need jobs and roles. We need that structure, but we have a skills lens and we have a skills orientation. And if you could determine real quickly what skills are becoming more important or conversely less important and try to al- align with the skills that are trending up, that to me is going to help you an awful lot and not not validate this notion that I'm in this job so I can only do this job. you know be part of the new way of thinking which is it's all about skills
1: that's a really good point i mean it's probably to say don't think of yourself as a box in an org chart you know and define yourself in terms of the capabilities you have because when you when there's a lot of change as you said opportunities open up so other ones doors doors close but don't define yourself based off of your job title define yourself and get known and build a reputation based off of your capabilities both of what you're doing now and what you could do in the future That's probably just a really good advice in general but particularly in kind of the chaos of acquisitions how would you get known i guess it is just going back to that networking i guess you were talking before you know talk find people that have similar interests and things like that
2: kind of an industry example pretty pretty famous one even though it was in the 80s so we know that ibm uh, was once uh, the biggest of course mainframe supplier And when the microchip came came into existence and uh, we were shifting to microcomputers, IBM strategically decided, well, you know, mainframe is not going to be a sustainable business model. And they became, literally, went from the biggest mainframe company to the biggest, one of the biggest professional services companies. Now, professional services company, (laughs) very different skill sets based on the optics, but when you dig into it a little bit more, a lot of the skills are transferable. So you need to be thinking about what skills are now going to be trending up and more and more relevant versus less relevant. And if your manager, ideally, hopefully is a good advocate for you, or you have some other kind of mentor in the organization that's an advocate for you, go have a chat and say, you know, I I thought a lot about the new entity here, the new combined entity. And it's like a business transformation. And there's there's some skills that are becoming more important. And while they might not have been totally evident in the job I was in, I just want you to know as my advocate that these are skills that that I absolutely do have. And I wanted to continue to develop over time and keep your eyes open for me. I'd really appreciate it. You've got to get comfortable advertising yourself a little bit.
1: And I guess the good news is there are a lot of technologies out there to look at those things, but finding a way to get people to know that.
0: Great acquisitions keep repopulations in mind. I remember when we were acquired, Ken Hollick was standing in front of us and he mentioned we were very considered and we took into consideration our customers our employees and our shareholders right they wanted to make sure that each stakeholder was well served by this acquisition and you know they they're not the only ones that need to be concerned with this uh, founders CEOs etc your manager should have your best interests in mind your manager should have your customers yep best interests in mind and and your shareholders who supported you all the way through this journey. So do you have advice for people who find themselves in in that position if you're an acquired employee and you're a manager, how do you help your employees make this transition?
2: I'll answer that in a second, but I want to point out as it relates to that question, one thing I've noticed and probably everybody's noticed if you spend any appreciable amount of time on LinkedIn is you start you see more of the phrase servant leader. Now, what does that mean? Servant leader is, I want to be an advocate for my team because my team drives my success. And I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to try to kind of pick up signals and cues that they maybe have some challenges and try to accommodate for them, personal or professional. That's what a servant leader is all about. And the good news is, as that phrase and that mindset, more importantly, becomes more more prominent, I do think, bottom line, there's going to be more successful M&As and in business integrations because employee needs, interests, and goals will be accounted for and taken into consideration, not just in passing, but as a, as a primary focus. So that's going to really put you in better stead. And if you're a manager and you want to be viewed as uh, really good at your craft, think about what a servant leader means and try to kind of align with that and adopt those kind of aspects of the repertoire for your own career growth
0: yeah that's well said and, and you'll see managers uh advertise the fact that they help shepherd a acquisition through the process so absolutely i mean that's something you can sell externally or internally uh from that mm-hmm. point
1: forward so you know we're kind of talking to look at this different perspectives and, and hit on sort of like employees that need to really redefine your job as a chance to expand as opportunities as managers the way you're going to help on that is to support your employees you know in addition to like looking at how you advance your own career any last just general thoughts i mean you've, you've seen so many acquisitions you've seen good ones and bad ones and and maybe we talk about a lot of what you should do maybe ending with a question about what is it you should <laughs> do what is where have you seen people don't have the wrong
2: reaction when they're acquired from the employee side, yes. Yeah, from
1: the employee side.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that comes to mind is, you know, we've talked about viewing it as an opportunity. It's okay to ask yourself the question, "What's in it for me?" And if you start to obsess, I mean, the period of things shaking out and and getting to that formative stage, that's going to take days or weeks. And if during that period, you're just kind of working yourself up into a frenzy. You're not just gonna. Your productivity is going to wane. Kind of value you were bringing to the organization is now. You're not going to be doing yourself any favors there. Uh, but if you can distinguish yourself by staying focused, continuing to deliver value, and even broadening your repertoire where you can, that's where it's at. So if you're going to work yourself into a frenzy, you're increasing your chances for uh, for an exit and then being on the market. Uh, I know I'm I'm kind of using harsh language about working yourself into a frenzy, but frankly, uh, millions of people acted that way over the last 30 years. Last year, by the way, there were 25,000 M&As. Now, oh. uh, total value, $5 trillion. Even though we were, were in the COVID era and you had organizations retrenching, you had more M&As than the last 12 years, each of the last 12 years. Why is that? Because... Organizations trying to build resilience, organizations trying to uh, acquire companies a little bit more uh, at, at a better price. Transformational exercises often require bringing in new skills. So it's going to continue most likely over the next few years, particularly if, it went, if we're in some sort of recessionary times. Just assume that it's going to happen. If it doesn't, fine. If it does, don't work yourself into a frenzy and and look at it as an opportunity. That's the best advice I can give. It's kind of a combination of what you should do and what you shouldn't do, I guess.
1: Well, that's great advice. Even I think it's probably a good one to, to end the, the podcast on. Right, thank you. But it kind of goes back to, you know, panicking is rarely a good response. I'm <laughs> actually <laughs> going to the dentist. Uh, no, I'm kidding. No. no well, well, Steve, thank you so much for appearing on Work Matters and just sharing some of your experience and advice. Because um, as I say, this is something that is probably likely to happen to everyone at least once in their career. But It's great to talk to somebody who's seen multiple ones and kind of just lay out a path to say, you know, it can be a great opportunity. Don't don't freak out. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. I enjoyed it very
2: much. Take care now. Thanks.
1: Wow. Robert, once again, fascinating topics. What I love about Work Matters is we do cover such a wide variety of topics from such a diverse array of experts. What were some of the things that you took away from Steve's comments about mergers and acquisitions and what employees should do?
0: What I find really fascinating is that Steve's advice really reflects my own and my experience as well. I love how he formalizes it with the uncertainty phase, the formative phase, and the opportunity phase, because some of my top advice would be stay focused, be patient, you know what I mean? And and, and wait a bit, really feel this thing out. It may absolutely be the right move to jump ship, but it... It could also be a real career limiting move. There may have been incredible opportunity for you inside of this organization. So like we say in my family, we have two rules. The first is stay calm and the next one is don't plan. Really take your time. You have time as Steve laid out.
1: Definitely. And the other thing that I think that you pointed out is really important is that you have this sort of period. It's very, very rare for companies to do any radical restructurings in the first like 90 days. and you have this period of 90 days to like one redefine yourself based on your skills not on your job title and then network with people and imagine sort of that opportunity imagine if a company said well we're just going to allow you to hang out for nine months and network internally with us and see if you can find something cool and maybe you end up doing the same thing you're already doing but that idea of like view it as an opportunity and That idea of reframing who you are, not based on your job title, but your skill set. The other thing I also really liked about Steve's presentation is that he worked in the phrase Sword of Damocles into it. That was (laughs) super cool. So if you don't know what the Sword of Damocles is, that's another podcast, another episode. I do want to add one other point too, and and that is Steve mentioned
0: you should do your research. And, And part of that research, by the way, should be your employee contract. When you look at this, oftentimes, if you're part of the right sort of corporation, you were receiving shares of that company, even though it was a private company. And there may be rules about when those shares vest. And those rules may dictate that your shares vest over the course of some time period. So if you're unfamiliar with this, that means that you had 100 shares of stock in a private company, one third of those shares may become yours every single year for three years. Well, if all those shares aren't owned by you, the company that acquired you may not have to pay you those shares. So you may limit your compensation by exiting an organization too early rather than sticking with them and waiting until all of your shares vest and they pay you out. So so really be mindful of your own employee contract as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You should leave with what's yours if you do leave, for sure.
0: Well, that is our show for today. Thank you to our guest, Steve Goldberg, for joining us. Thanks to the Open SAP team for supporting educational programming like this for professionals. Thanks to Robbie Echeverria who helped edit this podcast. As you may or may not know, Work Matters is a volunteer-driven podcast. And as such, we really can't thank Robbie enough for staying with us even after her internship with SAP ended, So quick plug, if you are looking for a fantastic hire with marketing and event experience from one of the largest global software companies in the world, SAP, please don't hesitate to take a peek at our show notes, get in touch with one of us, we'll get you in touch with Robbie. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we hope we've earned a new subscriber, maybe a quick rating. We'll be sure to get you more information as you've heard in our show notes. So look no further than that for information on Steve Goldberg, myself, Robert Richardson, or the ever prolific Dr. Steve Hunt, who, by the way, one more plug, just released a new Amazon best-selling book called Talent Tectonics. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast because what matters? Well, today, mergers and acquisitions matter. Work matters. Thanks for joining us on the Work Matters Podcast.